One funny thing in George Miller's uh, Wikipedia biography is is that he is noted as being a feminist. (laughs) (laughs) Feminist king, love this for me. Uh, Uh, Apart from being very male dominant to being surrounded by magnificent women, I can't help but be a feminist. There we go. Fucking Uh, George Miller, ally. (laughs) Only a feminist could have directed Happy Feet. Welcome to Mortified, the Friendship Quest, a podcast where two long-distance friends bounce media recommendations, all in hopes the other will like it. I'm Aaron. And I'm 165 Days of Salt. And this week, witness us as we watch the 2015 action classic, Mad Max Fury Road. Before we do some wild stuff with cars, remember you can help us on Mortified, the Legitimacy Quest by subscribing to us on YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify, setting up for a monthly newsletter through the link in our show notes, or following us on Twitter and Tumblr, at MortifiedPod. Layla. Aaron. How much do you know about the Mad Max universe? Honestly, this is the only one I've ever seen. <laughs> That's probably a good thing, considering the original Mad Max was one Mel Gibson. No. Oh. Um, yeah, he was also uh, another kind of Mad Max, which is to say uh, the lead rooster, Rocky, in my other favorite film, Chicken Run. Yeah, we'll get to Chicken Run eventually. Um, listen, Mel Gibson's made some films that are good despite the fact that he is not um but we're not here to talk about mr gibson we're here to talk about his replacement tom hardy and of course all the other wonderful characters in this film um you know i really started thinking that i should watch this movie around um i feel like the end of 2020 right because uh polygon put together this big list of like best films of the decade and like this was the third number one film of the 2010s decade i was like yeah objectively. I, I mean hmm listen uh i saw some films you know the 50 shades series came out in 20 in 2015 also so like you know pretty big competition however um i think i think that like right my, my first exposure to this was actually in the adventure zone when griffin mcelroy's my favorite arc of the balance arc of, of the adventure zone is inspired by this um but like i i really just like I, I, I'd seen so many YouTube videos and, like, people discussing this film and talking about it like this, like, incredible piece of filmmaking. And I, I was just so glad that we finally got around to to watching it for, for this purpose because it really was a, a great movie. Um, but I was also very surprised at how, like, accessible and not, like, highfalutin it was. Um, quite the opposite, in fact. But, yeah, um, Layla, what's your history with this movie? I saw it in theaters and I've been thinking about it once a day ever since. <laughs> Uh, I love Charlize (laughs) Theron. I love Tom Hardy. I just realized today, because I don't think I'm face blind, but I'm not like good at faces. Um, I just realized today because I just watched that um, Nick Cage uh, Dracula trailer, Renfield, that Renfield is the guy from Warm Bodies and he's also Nux. Okay, I, I saw you tweet about this, and I was like, sorry, what? Yeah. Um, but, like, yeah, I feel like Warm Bodies got a bad rap. I'm glad Warm Bodies guy is doing well. I 
loved warm bodies. It was part of that like wave of teen supernatural romances. I rewatched it like somewhat recently, um, either on a plane or like at my mom's house. It was just on. But within the last like three or four years, I rewatched it. It's cute. It is. I'm going to stand by that. It's a cute movie. I agree. I think it's nice. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, so I don't know if you all could tell during our Avatar uh, episode, which was um, a little bit more chaotic than usual. I would call um, it like a trauma dump. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty raw. Um, but like, and we are everything I've out... learned since has made it worse. Yeah, Sorry. no, it's a- actually we were 100% correct in all of our criticisms and actually should have been a little bit meaner to James Cameron, but uh, too late. Um but we are actually trying out a new show format. Normally, we get bogged down in the characters a lot. This time, we are going to try to go through the plot summary um, and, and take that a little bit slower, but also try to get to characters at that point in time. So, um, you know, give us some feedback if you decide that this is, you know, you prefer the old format. But we're going to try this out for a bit. Um, but without further ado, I guess it's my turn to do the plot summary. <laughs> um, yeah, considering... it's going to be a, a much more collaborative uh, yeah. w- switch off, I think, going with this format. But yes, you you take the lead in this. One. Yeah, yeah. So we get our we get introduced to Max immediately, right? He, he we get this like shot of a bunch of like you know news headlines, right? We 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 get the understanding and the explanation that the world has been destroyed in some sort of nuclear uh, skirmish, um, and and the rest of the world is just like you know, or at least wherever. Um, you know, this story takes place is a big fucking desert. Um, and you know, we, we were introduced to Max, right? Uh, he is, he is clearly having some sort of psychological, psychosocial, um, trauma, right? He, he keeps having these dreams or visions of people that he couldn't save. Um, and we kind of get this first opening shot of this big expanse of desert. Um, and he's, you know, in, in his like scavenger equipment with his broken down car. Um, and he eats a, he eats a, a lizard <laughs> that's very good um and um he is immediately captured by the minions of immortan joe who is a big like mean warlord guy um you know how in post-apocalypses there's a society's broken down so there's a bunch of like warring factions uh he's you know what you'd expect from a big terrible warlord in the post-apocalypse um but max uh gets kidnapped by these people and turned into what is called a blood bag um, because Max apparently has, um, you know, universal donor blood, which I believe is type O, um, he is able to, um, you know, he's very valuable. They keep him alive for that reason. Uh, and, and they basically hook him up to, uh, a kid named Nux, who is part of the, the cult of war boys, which are basically like, um, you know, young men raised from, from birth to like, you know, wear all this like white paint and, you know, live their lives in service to Joe, sort of like a weird warrior cult sort of deal. Um, there's a lot of stuff that gets brought up in the film about them, um, trying, drawing a lot of, from Viking mythology specifically, they, they hope to die and go to Valhalla where everything is shiny and chrome. Um, and, Nux is at a bit of a disadvantage. We find out that he's sick for some reason. Um, he gets in a fight uh, with his. All the war boys are sick. Okay, I did not get that. Um, could you could you explain why all the war boys are sick? So basically, the whole thing with um, Immort- Immortan Joe and the whole plot of this movie is him chasing his wives, um, and it is that he wants heirs that are healthy, um, because in the Citadel, basically everyone is dying of 
basically cancer. Radiation um, poisoning, right? Everyone has. I mean, like, even the um, there while Furiosa is driving the war rig in, like, the first act of the movie before they catch on that she's maybe not following Immortan Joe's orders and going rogue a little bit. You can tell, like, when the guy... I know your TV was, like, being weird while... Uh, my TV looked like this film was shot on the surface of Mars. It was so <laughs> red. Uh, I still enjoyed it immensely, but so, I don't know if it was the YouTube editor or my TV, but, like, it looked so... Is that so... why you're wearing a, a red hoodie? Yes, yes. And, like, honestly, it looked about the same shade as my hoodie. It was it was, it was, was uh, unfortunate, but it was, you know, it was red. Well, when the when that war boy turns his head, and well, most of them like turn their heads, like their necks are just covered in lumps. I uh, see. I did so not. So they are that. all dying. Uh, mm-hmm. That is that is what that's what they mean when when they refer to Nux as half life. They're all living half lives. So that's why they're so eager to throw themselves into battle because they think that instead of living a miserable half life and dying slowly, um, Immortan Joe will will you know dying for him will take them to Valhalla where everything is as you said shiny and chrome. Okay, that makes sense, and that 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 makes a lot of sense. Thank you for clearing that up. Um, but yeah, so you know, but Nux in particular, I feel like he's a little bit weaker than the other ones. Um, they they talk about him not being able to walk, um, which is not true. He's able to walk, but you know, he gets in this fight with his lancer. Um, but eventually, he's like, no, I'm gonna take you know Max here because he's got the he's like you know he's fair. <clears throat> He's cra- he's got all this crazy blood in him, and that's gonna make me strong. Uh, and his lancer's like, yeah, sure, hell yeah, let's go. Um, so Max, um, is, is strapped to the front of a car. His blood is going into Nux, right? He is chained to Nux, um, his neck to, Max's neck to Nux's wrist. Um, but the reason that they are all going out, uh, onto this convoy that you mentioned is because, um, allegedly Immortan Joe needs to trade with people from Gastown and the Bullet Farms, um, and he's got a bunch of mother's milk. Um, which we'll explain in a second. Um, but it it's is exactly what you think what it, it is. Sounds like. It is what you think it is, and it's gross. Um, but like, right? So, so that's the, the the ruse, right? They're they're going out on this convoy to go trade and and do you know um, you know whatever do the eco- the barter economy of, of the post apocalypse. Um, but um, Furiosa has agreed to hide the wives of Immortan Joe. Um, you know, basically women that he's he's uh, captured to, you know, make heirs with um, against their will. Um, and she is trying to save them, take them to her, her hometown, the place that's green or the, the green place. Um, and, you know, that that's her whole deception. She is she's surrounded by enemies and they but they don't know because she's um she's an Imperador, which is essentially like a general. Um, and like that's that's the whole crux of the situation that's why we get max nux furios and the wives all in on the same car or in the same proximity yes so they're not in the car uh, yet we should take like a little character and world building break because like even this opening 15 minutes is like packed with information yeah um so how do you feel about as our friend max (laughs) how do you feel about him in this he goes through a, a pretty pretty broad character arc yeah, I mean, I think it, I think it's a completely fine and good character art, right? He starts out as a selfish survivor. Um, he is traumatized. He meets some people, and he's like, "I gotta defend myself. I gotta, I gotta look out for them." He, you know, he tries to, you know, eventually, you know, you know, 
betray all the all the women or at least you know screw them over uh but you know over time he he grows to like them furiosa earns his respect they they protect each other uh, in the end he he sacrifices his his blood to save her right um i think it's a very good character arc it, it's simple and straightforward and, and gets the job done um actually it makes me feel a lot better about my own writing when i do also have kind of simple character arcs none of my characters i, I think are especially complex um and i like that because max is also pretty straightforward and i like that about him yeah i i mean like you know it's it's tom hardy being this kind of gruff i think my favorite like a little thing about max is that he loves to give a little commentary um, he spends a lot of the movie grunting, but, like, when he's strapped to the front of that car with Nux, he's like, ah, they took my jacket and my car. What else are they going to take from me? Like, all right, settle down. He's, <laughs> like, yell- like, like, spears are whizzing by his head, and he's like, please be careful. That's my head. <laughs> yes. Uh, I love, yeah, I love him. Um, and then we get introduced, you know, Nux, like you said, he's, he's pretty frail. He's, like, the runt of the litter, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but he wants to die historic on the Fury Road. Like, that's the war boys kind of, like, rallying cry. Specifically, it, I think he's a comic crazy. Is that the, like, class of warrior he is? Sure. Yeah, I mean, like, they have polecats, they have flamers, they have a bunch of, like, cool, stupid post-apocalypse names, which I love. But I think he is specifically the, the, the class of warrior that wants to, you know, drive a car and explode themselves. Yeah, um, which brings me to, like talking about the world building in this uh, a little bit which is like uh, in this like poke po- i think it's it's one of the best handlings of post-apocalyptic society because their their like language is it, it's like words we use carelessly stripped of all their context and meaning right like mm-hmm. comic crazy and kamikaze aren't even in the same realm mm-hmm. because it's just like yeah these are like things that the old society said stripped of their context stripped of their history and it's just like what we're using now yep um, um gasoline is pronounced guzzoline um yeah. right everything has like this like 80s like blown out like completely over the top pronunciation uh, at one point uh somebody yells at nux you traitored him referring to joe and it's like yeah. th- i just like that way it's like yeah language has evolved in a weird stupid way <laughs> it's very fun and they balance out that like um like real simplicity of world building and saying like this is the citadel this is the green place they want to go from the citadel bad to the green place good with words like comic crazy right so Mm -hmm. it's just like the important concepts that you need to know like what is a war rig exactly what it sounds like big truck big spikes big engine um they balance out like that simplicity with words like comic crazy which you don't like need to understand what that means it's just kind of a vibe if you speak english you understand what they're getting at Exactly. So, um, and did we bring up any other characters? Oh, and, and Furiosa, Furiosa herself. I just love Charlize. I mean, Charlize Theron's great, right? She's she's has she she's been in the Fast and Furious movie, right? Yeah, she's Cipher. She's Cipher, right? Yes. Yeah, so we're already big fans of her and all her when she's evil. Um, it's nice to be able to root for her. Um, and she, you're she's not rooting a- for Cipher. <laughs> Listen, Cypher did shoot uh, Elena straight in the head in front of her kid. Fair. Like, mm, it's not great. Anyway, um, but like uh, she has this she's like uh, missing her her left hand, I believe. So she has this cool like mechanical arm, which is really neat. You know, she's she's completely shaved bald. She she looks like she's just like this cool like post-apocalyptic general. And I think that rules. It does rule. Uh, and she you know, she also. I don't, she's she's great. We'll we'll get to why she's great. I I, I love this character very very much. Um, so we were talking about the first battle is where we stopped. Right. 
Um, so what happens here? Um, basically, they it's reveal. You know, Joe has this like cool um, like tower, right? And he's got people like watching the convoy, and they see that she makes this left turn away from Gastown. Uh, and then Joe's like, "Oh shit!" He goes and checks on his wives. His wives are all gone. The only their caretakers left, who you know tries to kill him, fails. Gosh, um, she fucking rules. <laughs> she's great too. Um, he pretty quickly pieces together that they're you know. Uh, his general has betrayed him and is going to try to take his wives away. Um, so he you know, rallies his forces. He gets his big, you know, his armada. And like, if you know anything about Mad Max Fury Road, you know this shit, which is like all the stupid post-apocalypse cars. You, there's like a big um, car with a bunch of like speakers and there's a guy playing a guitar that shoots fire out of it. Like, that's the shit you know. And it's really, really cool and good. <laughs> um, and like, he, he basically gets this big, you know, convoy uh, out um, and, and starts following uh, Furiosa. Um, and they have this battle, right? And in this battle, um, what's his name? Um, Max and, and Nux are, are like ch- going ahead. Um, Nux believes that he is going to uh, die gloriously um, against uh, th- this uh, Furiosa. So he <laughs> pulls the steering wheel off of his car, I believe. Um, and, you know, just like charges forward. Um, and that's how, uh, they, they like get up. There's like a, there's a bunch of cool, like action sequences and Furiosa, you know, shows that she's a badass, but to escape the, the convoy as well as like all the other, um, war boys who realize that their general has turned, she drives into this huge wall of sand, which is like, you've posted this on Twitter, just an incredible shot. Um, just so cool to watch her drive into the sandstorm. The sandstorm inside the sandstorm itself is awesome because there's like lightning coming down and it's the first time that like you, you see it change from like that orange dry color to like, like there's more blue. Um, it's, it's a really, really neat. Um, but in this whole debacle, um, you know, Nux does not succeed in his, his, uh, glorious, uh, attempt at death. Um, and said he crashes the car. I don't remember exactly how, but basically, they get enough distance away from uh, Joe's forces that they can, like, you know, the the war rig gets to stop, has to stop. Um, but Max um, is not killed. He he. The Nux's car is destroyed, but Max is still like alive. He he gets up. He is still attached to Nux, so he has to carry him. Uh, and he walks to the war rig where he threatens them um, with a gun. Uh, eventually takes over the war rig. Uh, and he's like, all right, I'm out of here. Um, you know, he, he, uh, do they, they, at this point, they, they've broken the, the chain, right? They, they break it. So he is not physically attached to Nux anymore. Yes. And yeah. he gets in the war rig and he makes it a mm, hundred feet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just like that. Cause Furiosa knows what's about to happen. And she's like, Hey, all you other wives, just pick up what you can and, and run. And then like Max just kind of like sadly sitting at the steering wheel. <laughs> like, well, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna sit here then. Fuck you guys. Um, and then they convince him like, Hey, you kind of shot one of his favorite wives. Like he, he cut one of their, um, what's her name? Um, and Herod. And Herod, yeah, my favorite, um, with this, um, like, you know, queen. yeah, yeah, R.I.P. Um, you know, shoots her axe, like uh, his warning shot cuts her leg. So um, Furious is like, you've wounded one of his wives. He also sucks generally. You'll probably remember that from the time he used you as a blood bag. Um, you're not going to, he's not going to be grateful for this if you turn us over. Why don't you just come and help us? And Max is like, fucking fine. All right. And so well, that's not what convinces him. Uh, what convinces him is she goes, you want that fucking cage off your face? <laughs> oh, yes, that's a good point. Correct. 
because at this point he still has the cage it's just like the the chain has been cut uh but he still has this big like muzzle on him um but yeah at this point you know he begrudgingly accepts furios's help they all get in there's another sequence where they have to go into this um like narrow passage where they have to um she's negotiated some sort of treaty with a biker gang that they're gonna let them through if she gives them like three thousand gallons of gasoline gasoline guzzling sorry <clears throat> thank you uh but they pretty immediately are like hey you said there would be a couple people in pursuit that's everyone because at this point joe has called reinforcements from bullet the bullet farms and from um gas town um and like so there's just a huge army chasing after her and she's like yeah i don't know let us through um and they don't they turn on them you know <laughs> this is the point where she's like because max hasn't told her his name yet so she tells him like when i yell fool fool you drive the car so she yells fool now uh they start going you know they escape the biker gang there's a big explosion with that tank of guzzling that collapses that narrow pass so it gives them a little bit more time to uh you know escape um the horde um or what's his name yeah joe's horde yeah uh this is one of uh, one of my favorite sequences in the whole whole flick because um uh, Max is, I, I think, like you said earlier, is like very distrustful of Furiosa and the wives. <laughs> so his first thing that he does in the passenger seat while he's like trying to saw off the the head cage is he starts gathering all the guns and all the bullets. And there are so many guns. See, there's in a, this we cabin. love that sequence. Yeah, <laughs> it, there's like Furiosa's packing. Like there, are, there are guns under seats, behind seats, in roofs, and hidden compartments. They're like one by Furiosa's hand, one like near the the sun. Vi- it is so many guns hidden in a skull outside the car. Uh, um, I, when I was like at first watching this in the first battle, I was like, "Huh, a lot of these guys just have like you know fire bombs taped to spears. Like, are there not that many guns in this film?" Uh, and then I was immediately like, "Oh no, there's a bajillion guns in this movie." And Furiosa has all the guns. Yeah. <laughs> So he starts collecting all the guns and he, like, won't let anybody else use one. Um, but that builds to, like, one of my favorite, like, w- w- as we keep going in this in this battle sequence, it builds up to, like, one of my favorite the kind of, like, Max learning to trust Furiosa, which is, like, him handing her guns and reloading guns for her. And, like, that is the beginning of their teamwork. And it's oh, it's so beautifully choreographed. It's, like one of my favorite because there's no dialogue they're just like learning to trust each other on the fly and it's Mm -hmm. it's poetry uh this movie is incredible um another important character point comes a little bit after this because um so nux has been kind of abandoned right he he was left in the dirt um he tried to you know take out furiosa but they eventually threw him off the the thing um eventually he goes back to joe he catches up with the army and he has, like, a scrap of the, the wives' clothes. So they let Joe is like, okay, you can come with me. Um, and, like, there's a bit where they're trying to catch up. And, you know, uh, Joe allows him to, you know, do this attack and try to kill Furiosa. He gives him his Furiosa, his own revolver, actually, and tells uh, tells Nux to kill Furiosa. And and he's all psyched. He does the, the thing where he spray paints his mouth with chrome. I- cried during this because he is so desperate to not like a full stop but there are tears yeah uh he's so desperate to please joe or uh joe tells him um i will carry you to valhalla myself uh and he goes he goes am i awaited with all the all the like earnestness and desperation of a puppy like Mm -hmm. it is it is it is the most desperate thing i've ever heard in my life and he goes you will ride eternal shiny and chrome and i was like 
Wow. And then in contrast to what fucking actually happens. Uh, then he like immediately like falls off the car, loses the gun, and Joe's just like, ugh, mediocre. <laughs> Which is, hey, they said that when another one of the war boys dies. That's just like a thing they say if it's not an epic enough of a death. Right, right. Um, and like this guts him nux is ruined uh, at this and like later one of the wives uh finds him mm-hmm. uh like hiding in the war rig and she's like hey what are you doing here and he's just like joe saw me fuck up so bad i'm <laughs> i'm fucked there's nothing for me and she's like hey hey bud maybe you could hang out with us and not not want to destroy yourself in a big fiery explosion yeah so a good i think a good point at which to talk about the wives uh there are five right. of them right uh, so the one that finds Nux, and they have a little, they have a little romance arc. It's actually mm-hmm. very sweet. Is uh, capable. Right. Uh, capable is red hair. Um, she is. Oh, capable. did she? I could not tell. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, <laughs> because of my movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, capable is bright red hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, on purpose, not just your screen. Right, right. Uh, what the most pregnant of the wives uh, is Ang Herod, and she's your fave. She's great. She's kind of a badass. Uh, she rules. She does die. She gets run over pretty soon. I think right at this second bit, right? I think it's in the second battle. Um, yes. She, she, you know, she is like shielding because they don't want to shoot the wives. So she is like putting her body in front of Furiosa um, to like prevent them from getting a shot on her. And just like there's a, there's a bit where like she, you know, there's like a rock or something and she like gets knocked off the car and then you know um joe's joe's own car runs her over um and you know he he there's a bit where he's like trying to save the the child and the doctor's just like oh man sucks dude this would have been a completely healthy baby boy uh but you shit the bed and (laughs) that's also where we get um one of my favorite characters rictus um (laughs) who is actually joe's um he's actually joe's son right he he's like the, the warlord Joe has a lot of sons Rick he has a lot of sons of but he's like the the you know one in line right yes he's yes, the yes. one without any you know um disabilities well the, the thing about rictus is that he's stupid he is um, so stupid he's not i mean like that's the thing though um no but he is also i think he also has the like cancer oh okay i did not I mean, know that's that. the thing is like joe right. wants a healthy heir yes i i could see that but like i couldn't tell why except for i just thought he thought rictus was too stupid to lead which is true because <laughs> <true>. he's, <laughs> so he's a fucking dumb. dumbass he's a blockhead uh there's a part where like yeah, when the third act where they're turning around and he's just like are they are they gonna surrender sick <laughs> it's just like oh no you complete yeah. dunce um but yeah you know that, that we, we get a lot of like we don't get a whole lot of um you know what's going on with joe but like we get enough that we get his, his, his motivations and understand why he is so obsessed with the wives and wants them back so badly and i think that's interesting um, right but uh, yeah so that's ang herod and, and and unfortunately her her death but she she rules rip to a queen um there's dag dag is uh very very pale very very blonde and she's like the most spiritual of the group she actually mm-hmm. says a little prayer at some point and um toast uh <laughs> badass queen who she's the gun to, lady yeah she gets to count the bullets mm-hmm. um toast is like to whom's and dag is like whoever's listening yeah 
Um, and then there's Cheeto, Coward Queen, uh, who uses her. her cowardice as a weapon. <laughs> yes, right. At first, she she does genuinely want to go back to Joe, um, and then they have to talk her down after hearing Herod's death. But it, later on in the third battle, she'll be like, "Oh no, please save me!" Uh, she you know runs back to the the war boys and then uses them to like distract them and then um, like betrays them and, and helps kill Rictus. Or no, Rictus survives, so you know defeat Rictus. Yes. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's the first battle, and it doesn't, I mean, it ends well, but it's not the end of their fucking journey. Right, right, because at this point, they get to the swamp, um, and, like, this is, this is a minor battle, but, like, the swamp is cool just because it's, like, dark and moody, it's all blue, like, my screen went completely, like, navy, (laughs) uh, which was fun, I was like, oh, that's a nice change, um, but I really liked the swamp sequence where, like, you know, there's only one car that could go after them, and they have, like, this cool sniper fight, and, um, Furiosa, like, lets max lets furiosa lean the last you know the the sniper rifle on him so she could take the final shot yeah so they have four bullets for the sniper rifle according to toast who did a great job counting Mm -hmm. and he took three shots and then furiosa just gets behind him and doesn't say anything he hands her the gun and she Mm -hmm. leans it on his shoulder and says don't breathe like it's one of those just like incredible moments between them it's so good yeah it's great um but yeah, they, they're able to, there's this stupid like minion guy who's like one of the, the leaders of one of the other towns and shows up and they like shoot his, the spotlight on his car and it shatters and like blinds him. Uh, and then he, he just like, he like, you know, just drives straight at them shooting his uh, heckler and cooks, um, just doing this like completely um, bananas like spiel about how he's like the scales of justice or some dumb shit he is the scales of justice he is conductor of the choir of death right that's like exactly kind of what i want from a movie like this is just completely over the top villainy um and then at that point like they they kind of get away and then max turns around he's like uh i'll i'll be right back (laughs) um uh and then there's just an explosion and he comes back and uh one of them is like oh are you hurt you're bleeding and furios is like that's not his blood. <laughs> so <laughs> and he goes, good. Hey, Max is a resourceful guy. He comes back with bullets. Mm-hmm. He comes back with uh, stuff for Nux. A, a steering wheel because they lost the steering wheel to the yes, war rig. The steering wheel. Uh, I love this. It's it's an incredible sequence. It's it's really good. Um, and uh, we'll we'll get to that that swamp land again uh, eventually because um, they get through the swamp land. They get to a place that Furiosa recognizes. They meet the Vuvalini. Um, which is a clan of like basically old biker ladies. Um, apparently, Furiosa and her mom were taken from these people a long time, about 19 years ago. Um, and she returns to them, and she's like, "Thank you for letting me in. I missed you all so much. Uh, where we're, we're heading to the green place? Where's the green place?" And they're like, "Oh, you just drove through it. It was the swamp." <laughs> uh, and it's, and then she's just like devastated. It's brutal. Yeah, because the the water that they had at the swamp turned to acid and ruined the green place, so they had to leave. And uh, the shot of Furiosa finding this out is one of my favorite shots in all of cinema, period, hands down. I think about it constantly. Uh, And that's not like, I'm not exaggerating or like being a joker, just sometimes I will be thinking about cool compositions and I'm like... Damn, that shot from Fury Road, I still think about it all the time. She it's it's this wide shot on nothing but the desert. And like the horizon is barely cut with like some mountains. And it's just Charlie's thrown on her knees screaming in the middle of this wide and it's so isolated and so lonely and so heartbreaking and there's this beautiful score and the scoring for this movie is inc- we haven't like talked about it yet, but there's 
who I don't know who scored this movie. I, w I wish to kiss them. It's great. The soundtrack here is is everything to me. Um, and that's even before the guitar guy at the Because <laughs> some of the scoring is diegetic. They have drummers and guitarists in the war yeah, parties. Yeah, there, there's a bit, like, the third fight where, um, like, the guitarist and Max get into a fight. Um, and, like, the guitarist is nearly killed, but he doesn't. And as soon as he gets the guitar back, he continues playing and the soundtrack resumes. It's really, really good. Uh, it's it such rules. A so, um, whoa! What are they going to do now? Um, you know, at this point, they have some bikes. They're like, okay, we're gonna gonna keep heading uh, this direction. You know, Max, you can come with us if you want. Um, but Max is like, no, I'll go make my own way. Um, but as they leave, he has a change of heart. He realizes he does have an opportunity to save some people. Uh, you know, to um, atone for the things that he, he he the people he hasn't been able to save. Um, he stops them. He's like, hey, I've been out there before. It's all salt. There's no, there's nothing green out there, but you have a really good chance at, at you know, planting something. You know, one of the Wolverine has a bag of seeds, um, you know, a, a lot of seeds that they've kept from the green place. And he's like, there is one place with a lot of water and it's the Citadel. Uh, and they're like, you want us to go back there? And he's like, well, all of them are out, out here chasing us. So if we go back through that narrow pass, we could probably beat them back and take over the Citadel. And they're like, yeah, I guess that makes sense. It's going to suck ass, but we'll do it. Um, and they they turn around. Um, and um, basically, they they have this big final battle. They try to... Um, they, they make it through that, that narrow passage, but it is, you know, a truly, like, gripping and, and, like, climactic fight. Like, I was so tense the entire time watching it. Um, there's bits where, like, you know, people get, like chainsaws are just like tearing at people people are shooting like spear guns and harpoons the pole cats at one point pick somebody one of the wives up and bring them back into the car um like it, it is a truly like really well done and intense action scene and like um i was just really really impressed with it uh but it ends with um nux who has kind of you know been learning about how to be um how about you know emotional labor and doing the dishes and not always having to be the center of attention instead maybe supporting the women in your life um he he decides that okay he's going to help everybody out you know he he plays a very good supporting role but in the end he he does what he set out to do at the beginning which is he does die in a big fiery explosion but this time it is to stall every all of the army of joe um coming back to the pass he he blow he flips the the war rig so it collapses um, you know, explodes and, you know, the, the rocks come down and they, you know, they can't get back through that narrow pass. And, um, you know, he buys them enough time to escape back to the Citadel, uh, where they, um, you know, they're, they're able to get there. Um, Furios is pretty badly hurt during this fight, but, you know, because of Max being a universal donor, he hooks himself back up to her. Uh, and, Max and gives her is blood. doing backseat surgery. Oh yeah, she has a pneumothorax at one point, uh, so he has to like puncture a, a hole on the other side of her ribs to to even out the air pressure. At one point in time, I probably would have known what that was, but I, that's all I remember. Um, but that's that is a thing that you do if you if you have a collapsed lung, is they they have to puncture another hole to to even out the air pressure, which is very weird. Uh, but it's very cool and like hard to watch, but it's it's a really interesting sequence. Um, really cool, really cool stuff. Um, but yeah, they make it to the Citadel. Um, and you know, now it's just a bunch of like really young war boys. It's like, like they call war them war pups. pups. Yeah, yeah. In the captions. Um, 
But yeah, at this point, they're just like, we'll let him up because like they bring Joe's body and they throw him on the floor of the Citadel. And I didn't mention this, but like everybody in the Citadel hates Joe because he rations water to them. Uh, <laughs> well, they'll get addicted to it if they have too much. Yeah. So I, that's that's an incredible line of characterization. He's like, uh, you know, do not grow addicted to water or else you'll resent its absence. Like, fuck off. Right. Like, obviously, like such a such a terrible villainous thing to do. Um, and like, so they, you know. They show Joe's body. All the people in the Citadel are super psyched. There's like three dudes left with guns and they're like, yeah, I guess we're not going to f- kill every single person here to maintain our dead warlords, you know, presence. They they lift Furiosa and the rest of the wives up on the car and, and you know, Max disappears into the crowd. Uh, and that's how the, the movie ends. It's really, really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, and I love when, like, because uh, the last thing Max does, and him and Furiosa just, like, nod at each other, and, uh, like, same thing with Hank Herod, like, right before she dies, he, like, looks at her in the side view mirror, and she looks to him for approval, and he kind of nods. Um, God, it's just, like, such an incredible piece of storytelling, because it is somehow a big, sweeping, blockbuster road trip adventure movie, but when you do your character work, all of it happens in the war rig or around the war rig, so it's also kind of a bottle episode. It's insane. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is, like, we, so me and you, while I was uh, visiting your apartment, which, again, thank you for having me, it was a delightful time, Mm -hmm. um, we watched Glass Onion. And, uh, like, an insane directional choice that Ryan Johnson makes, mild structural spoilers for Glass Onion, is that all of Act 2 is a flashback that then catches up to the present. So, I think this is another one of those, like, formatting things that I just adore. Yeah, no, it's very smart, right? It it is a very economical movie, right? It is barely over two hours long, and that includes credits, um, right? All the all the like characterization and conversations like have a point, right? Even like the little the conversation between the wife and the the Vuvalini who has the seeds, like that kind of like sets up her character and like they they have this little story arc about hope and trying to survive and like it is all really well done um, and smart and just like they don't waste time in this movie. They just kind of like do everything that needs to be done, and I have to respect that. Yeah, uh, one of my favorite films of all time, so I'm, I'm really glad that you enjoyed it. Yeah, we figured, <laughs> I, cause, so we were actually going to play uh, or talk about Elder Scrolls for Oblivion uh, today, but that film, or that game is very long, so we decided to push that back a little bit while we, so we can play, you know, have more time to play it, um, and I was like, okay, Layla, we can watch two movies, we can watch Mad Max, or we can watch the Super Mario Brothers movie from 1990, um, and then I was like, uh we can't do two terrible movies in a row. <laughs> so yeah. um, I'm very glad we watched a good one that was, you know, historic and, and like an instant classic and, you know, just a really, you know, testament to the form. Though as far as I understand it, Super Mario Brothers isn't actually a bad movie so much as it's just like kind of like the Muppets sex and murder or sex and violence, sorry, where it's just like a children's thing intended for adults and it was like wildly mismarketed and, and stuff. So I am... I am, I'm excited for us to eventually get to that flick. Um, but, God, I just, like, it is so nice to watch something and, like, remember why I went to film school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's completely fair, right? Like, they're, they're taking such big swings. And I know that the Mag Match universe has, like, already been set up, right? So they didn't have to do all this world building from whole, whole cloth. But, like, for our generation, right, that, like, 
never watched another Mad Max movie. You know, it was 40, 30 years since since the first Max Max movie came out when this when this film debuted, right? They were essentially, you know, playing to a, a fresh, uh, you know, Tabula Rasa. Um, so I, I think they really do a good job of just, like, setting up, like, kind of what the world is and what you should expect and, like, how, how to manage your expectations and, and just, like, kind of vibe with what the movie is putting out there. Yeah, um, I am um, famously lukewarm on revivals and remakes and etc. Um, you know, some of them I think work really well, and then some of them I think are just like heartless cash grabs. Kind of depends what you're trying to make. Um, but in terms of like when a revival or a remake works really well, one of the things I'm kind of obsessed with is how it onboards a new audience to an old piece of world building. And like, I think, I think this does a really good job, like you said, of just like introducing the world of Mad Max to a new audience. Um, and not in a way where like, I felt obligated to go back and watch the rest of the Mel Gibson Mad Max movies mm-hmm. um, to get more context on the universe. And it's like, it's the same way I feel about like Breath of the Wild where Listen, hey, I would love to play the older Zeldas. They make me motion sick. I've tried. Like, it's that, like, camera switchy thing. I can't do it. The angles are too much. Like, it it makes me genuinely ill. Um, But, you know, the way Breath of the Wild kind of onboards uh, the player, this is a fun phrase I I learned at work, the Fatui, the first-time user experience, right? Mm. And um, the way that like it introduces the world to you through Link, who is established, but in this in this iteration is like an amnesiac, I think is, is like a really smart move. And so like I love I love to see like the mechanics of of like a good revival. And I think I think this really did like, a great job. You know, another point of comparison that I think is makes sense is the seventh Star Wars movie, right? Because that mm-hmm. also came out in 2015. And I think that like... God, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? I think I think this is like the start of our current um, quagmire, right? I'm, I'm sure there were more, but like, I think this is probably really this like, let's just bring everything back from the last 30, 40 years and see if we can't um, do it again and make more money off of it. Um, but like... In particular, right, I think that when we're comparing the world building of, like, a Star Wars to a Mad Max, right, um, Star Wars is a lot easier to do just because, um, you know, one, it's a Disney property at this point, so um, Disney has a lot of uh, resources to help you, like, get back into that mode. Two, um, Star Wars has been memed to death, so, like, if you're a part of an internet-savvy culture, also, you know, the Star Wars you know, prequels came out much more recently than Mad Max did, right? So it's much easier to onboard an audience to what Star Wars is. They didn't have to do as much, um, you know, retreading ground. But J.J. Abrams, you know, as much as I like that seventh movie, like basically just does the episode episode four again, right? Um, and I think that is uh, in many ways uh, a mark against that film because they could have tried to take it in a new weird ex- experience and try to do something different. Um, and like it, it is all just like recapturing, um, you know, that old nostalgia, but just like with new you know, 3D or not 3D, but like, you know, you know, new, new, new. Um, New Shiny technology, new CGI, right? yeah, correct, right. Whereas, like, I can't, I can't say that Mad Max Fury Road isn't, you know, borrowing so much from from its predecessors. I have no idea, um, but it 
right we were not primed like i'm not primed as an audience to to like that kind of that world the way i'm primed to to go into star wars but i still think that fury road like is really easily able to get me on by doing like what we said earlier like doing world building in like short spurts of like here's a word that you can kind of get the context of but like you don't need the full explanation for right you get that there's a weird cult around um you know the war boys even though like as, as we saw in this episode i didn't fully understand their purpose like you kind of get what's going on there um right you get the big stupid cars that are full of spikes right at, at one point there's a bunch of like um like russian gangsters that show up uh right the, i think you know. they were actual russians i could understand what they were saying there you go right they, they actually got real Russians this, is, this time <laughs> for a long time listeners <laughs> uh you guys know that like uh the lack of Russian language accent coaches in Hollywood drives me up a fucking wall. Mm-hmm. Um, no respect for the language. Yeah. Um, no, but you're like 100% right. And I think actually when we talk about Oblivion, because I think the framing that we want to take with Oblivion is just like, how does it hold up? How is it in terms of like an introduction to a very old, like long running franchise at this mm-hmm. point? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's going to be interesting as like a point of comparison because I'm like half, I'm like most of the way through the Siege of Quatch. Uh, I keep wanting to say Kvass, which is a, a drink that tastes like dirt, which if you know me at all, you know that that's my favorite kind of drink. Uh, it's, a, it's a Russian like rye soda, I think. Um, but Kvatch. Um, and like me and you kind of have a cheat code when it comes to Elder Scrolls and that cheat code is my friend Marty. one friend of the podcast, Marty, (laughs) um, who I had a long conversation with about Elder Scrolls lore today. Yeah, they're a fucking fucking historian. They're incredible. Um, so like if I need to know who Tiber Septim is, like I can just ask Marty. Um, but I think that's going to be an interesting point of comparison just in terms of like, how do the mechanics interact with that story? How do they support the story? And then how is it in terms of like, onboarding um the audience onto the elder scrolls because that's kind of why skyrim didn't work for me it doesn't really do a good job of onboarding an audience to the elder scrolls mm-hmm. um it was like my first elder scrolls and then i think at some point you and i have talked about doing this is kind of like a meta episode we're talking about future programming a lot. yeah yeah um happy new year uh at some point you and i do did talk about doing a final fantasy 10 episode um because I just finished replaying it, and you got stuck in a bathroom singing the, oh, the yeah. at some point. Yeah, also in 2015. <laughs> 2015 was, a, you know, in many ways, like, my last, like, good, innocent year. Um, but, like, <laughs> but, like uh, yeah, big, hugely important uh, video game for me. Right, but, you know, that is also another interesting point of comparison, just in terms of, like, the Final Fantasies all kind of take place in a vaguely the same world. Um, but are not connected or dependent on each other for story. So I think it's just, it's an interesting, it's an interesting theme we're going to kind of coincidentally be exploring this year. Yeah, yeah. So I hope that, you know, I do hope we are able to do interesting and weird uh, conversations this year. And I think this is a, this is a great place to start. 
Um, but I am wondering, Layla, uh, in our in our marketing minute as we wrap this episode up, um, I like a lot of the stuff about Mad Max. I, I think they do the post-apocalypse. I mean, it's still rusty and sand-filled, um, and there's, you know, generic raiders, like, you know, bunches of, you know, bad guys with cobbled-together outfits with, you know, murder on their minds. But I still think that in, in this film, they made it a very interesting presentation of the post-apocalypse because it's all, like, batshit 80s um, pizzazz. Um, and I'm wondering... If we were going to make a post-apocalyptic film or or setting, right? Mm-hmm. How would we make that interesting, right? Um, and for for me, right, like Fallout is is kind of an example, although the ways in which Fallout has been deployed lately um, are a little bit um, underwhelming. Um, not that I don't like Fallout, but um, there's a lot of criticisms with four. Um, but like, you know, what what is a fun way that we can make a spin on the post-apocalypse? It's a good question. So, like, my first instinct kind of lands us in the um, Ready Player One zone. Oh, boy. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Which is not a zone I'm I'm all that interested in exploring. Um, I think the... God, I'm going to think out loud and probably edit most of it out. Um, I think the interesting part about the Mad Max world is that it's very, like, men ruin the world. Mm Mm-hmm. One funny thing in George Miller's uh, Wikipedia biography is is that he is noted as being a feminist. <laughs> feminist <laughs> king, love this for me. Uh, uh, I've gone a- from being very male dominant to being surrounded by magnificent women. I can't help but be a feminist. There we go. Fucking uh, George Miller, ally. <laughs> only a feminist could have directed Happy Feet. <laughs> Correct. Um, so what if what if consider what if Gaslight Girl Boss Gatekeep Apocalypse. <laughs> Say more. <laughs> well, if the you know, I'm just trying to spin off of Mr. Mad Max here. Mm-hmm. But if if that is a male caused apocalypse, what if we girl boss too hard? Interesting. What if women ruined the world? How do you mm-hmm. think that happens? That's a great question. Um, I can't conceptualize that because women have never made mistakes. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Ever. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. Well, here's here's um, what I I do picture. You know how the language involved in Mad Max. I do picture us talking in like wine bottle slogans. Okay. <laughs> you know, like like the whole like. Um, Oh, God, you know what I'm talking about—the fucking pillows and shit from TJ Maxx, like the the corny oh, white live, lady laugh, memes. Love. Yes, yes, there's a cult of live, laugh, love. Okay, there's a cult no, of on. living, laughing, and loving. Toxic I'm... positivity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Everything is falling around apart. You, everything's on fire, and you are just like, this is fine. Live, laugh, love, girl, girl, boss, gatekeep, gaslight. We're not gonna oh, lie. Oh my God, this rules. This would yeah. be. A- great oh my god right like all the like if you tinkle while you sprinkle be a cd wipe the cd yeah uh, that's that's like a they whole just, separate religion at this they point just talking those aphorisms mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah oh my god this rules. that's really good yeah okay so this is this is our sandbox holy shit uh that's great okay i don't think i could top that <laughs> i want the interior decorating to be so visually overstimulating <laughs> that it's hard to look at Right. Yes. No, it is all like bright pastels. Um, right. Mm-hmm. It is the complete opposite of like this sandy, washed out, colorless wasteland. It is all just completely neon and bright and um, smothering in its toxic positivity. Uh, yeah. And like instead of being taught just to like normal handwriting, uh, everybody gets ta- taught that fucking um, what is her name? 
Um, it's not Lisa Frank, is it? It's not fucking Lisa Frank, though. No. Oh my god, I know her name. What is it? It's like Rachel Zoe. Everyone writes in that like long handwritten Rachel Zoe handwriting. Like that's the only thing that's allowed, or like that like bubbly cursive. That's very fun. I like mm-hmm. that. Uh, this is my yeah. post-apoc world. No, I love, I love, <laughs> I love girl bossing the apocalypse. <laughs> that's really fun. I, I want. Maybe that's what the Barbie movie is gonna be like. <gasps> oh, I hope so. We'll see, Greta Gerwig. We'll, we'll watch out for you, Miss um, Greta. That trailer thrills me. I can't wait. Yeah, can't wait. That'll be, that'll be something. Oh, God. Um, Layla, when we are not inventing the most interesting uh, post-apocalypse mankind has ever seen, uh, girl kind has ever seen, uh, where can we be found on the internet? Uh, You can find me at L-E-Y-L-S-E-S on Twitter and Tumblr. I am, believe it or not, actually slowly working on my (laughs) webcomic. Like, I have posted some outfit tests i am Hell working yeah. on some stuff let's fucking um, go my pitch for astral heart is uh if you've ever wanted to see four different phases of my depression all simultaneously try to help each other out by being ported into some fucking blorbos <laughs> that's that's it's just therapy the comic really um but it also like functions like it's kind of inspired by Kingdom Hearts, kind of inspired by, like, anime. Um, it's just, like, vibey magic shoujo romance. It's great. Um, come come, come, read it, I guess, when I start publishing it. Uh, and I also have decided to pivot my social media presence in the new year a little bit. I'm going to just talk about things I like more often. Um, so less takes, more bakes is the motto for 2023. Hell uh, yeah. What, what about you, Aaron? Um, you could find me on Twitter at AaronSXL, where I tweet about tabletop RPGs, health policy, and writing. Um, I also have a YouTube channel that's at AA Voigt on YouTube. Um, just released an episode or a video about um, the test of high sorcery by Kiana Shaw and Jonathan Fry, um, which is a choose your own adventure adventure module, which was very interesting. Um, gave me a lot of uh, big goosebumps vibes, which I, I had a good time with. Um, yeah, and anything else, you can just find me at aavoit.com. That's where you, basically the main one where I post all my other socials and, and essays and shit. So check me out there. Um, I also do another podcast with my friends, Michael and Josh. That's at, at The Bible Boys. Uh, Michael is moving to New York. So um, we're, we've been on hiatus for a bit, but we're hoping to get back into the swing of things uh, once he settles in. Um, but yeah, uh, check that out for uh, weird Christian media takes. Um, our theme song is Obsolete by Keshko from the album Filmmaker's Reference Kit Volume 2. You can find more of their music at keshko.bandcamp.com. Layla, how should we end this episode? Well, we can end it when you witness me die historic on the Fury Road. We'll see you all next week. <laughs>